I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. So Lazarus' resurrection sets the stage for the triumphal entry, which we just talked about a, a few minutes ago, right? The, that, that, that entry, people singing Hosanna and lifting their voices of praise uh, to Jesus. And everything, you know, it sets the stage, however, not just for the triumphal entry, but for what happens in the remainder of this really important week in our calendar. It sets up the stage for this intersection between eternity and our reality. When we think God is far away from us, uh, this Passion Week that starts at the triumphal entry proves something utterly otherwise. It proves that God is here among us. It really can't be overstated what happens next in the story of Jesus. And right after the triumphal entry, uh, within about three, four days of that, uh, Jesus and the disciples are all gathered together in, in, a, in a room and they are celebrating the Last Supper. This is where Jesus is telling him, or telling all of his disciples, this is uh, John 13 through 17, telling the disciples, hey, here's what to expect next. Here, here's what I'm leaving with you, kind of final words that I'm leaving to you. The disciples maybe don't understand fully that this is the Last Supper. It's something that we know is the Last Supper only in, in hindsight, and, and there Jesus is. And part the way through the supper, Jesus says that one of you will betray me. Disciples are wondering, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And eventually, it's found out, and Jesus hands a piece of bread to a guy by the name of Judas. And Judas begins now a set of dominoes that work against the favor of Jesus. Judas goes out, and even that name Judas, when you hear that name, there, there's something associated with it to this day. Don't be a Judas, right? We hear that phrase, and that's not a name that parents you should probably give your children because really the stigma associated with that name, Judas. <clears throat> He's betrayed by one of those closest to him. He's paid 30 pieces of silver, Judas is, when he goes to the chief priests and the elders and says, hey, Guys, I've got some inside information. I know where Jesus is going to be, and I know, I know where he's going to be, and I know when he's going to be there. So you've been looking for a time. I'm providing that time and the opportunity. And they pay him 30 pieces of silver. In John chapter 13, verse 30, I don't have it up here, but it says this. It says, after receiving the piece of bread, he, Judas, immediately left. And then John says this statement. If you remember last week, we talked about this idea. But John makes this statement after Judas leaves the disciples, and he says, uh, John says this, and it was night. Or you could say, and Judas went into the dark. I think that speaks of more than just a physical thing happening in Judas' life. Something is happening inside of him, <laughs> and it's leading him to darkness. So Jesus, while praying in the garden with his disciples, he's arrested He's taken before the religious civil leaders. He's pronounced guilty by the religious leaders, by the civil authorities, and permission is eventually given to crucify Jesus. And Jesus is prepared for the act. 
See, crucifixion is a brutal reality. It's something that offends us and our senses. It's something that is utterly foreign to us, and yet the soldiers were uh, completely trained for this, and they would take the whip, and this is a very mild version of what Jesus would have to face through, because in Jesus' day, they would have chips of bone or glass or metal woven into the end of this, and then whip after whip after whip on his body. The Bible says or alludes to the fact that, uh, that he was potentially not even recognizable with the brutality that was put against him. There are some criminals who uh, did not survive that process of the beating and the preparation for the crucifixion. But these soldiers who did it were professionals. And it's one of the points. It says that uh, they, took a cr- they, they wove a crown of thorns and they placed it on his head and began to mock, bow down to him and worship him and make fun of the fact that here is this king and kings are supposed to be powerful and yet here is this king with a crown of thorns on his head, completely powerless. But something was going on behind the scenes that they were unaware of. I'd venture to say that everyone was unaware except Jesus himself. And so John 19 records this unfolding drama. It says, Then Pilate had Jesus taken and whipped. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head, dressed him in a purple robe. Over and over they went up to him and said, Greetings, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. When the chief priests and the deputies saw him, they shouted out, crucify, crucify. However, the Jewish leaders cried out saying, if you release this man, you aren't a friend of the emperor. Anyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes the emperor. When Pilate heard these words, he led Jesus out, seated him on the judge's bench at the place called the Stone Pavement, or in Aramaic, Gabbatha. It was about noon, preparation day for the Passover. Pilate said to the Jewish leaders, here is your king. And the Jewish leaders cried out, take him away. Take him away. Crucify him. It says that the soldiers took Jesus prisoner, carrying his cross by himself, He went out to a place called Skull, which means in Aramaic, Golgotha. That's where they crucified him and two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and his sandals and divided them into four shares, one for each soldier. His shirt was seamless, woven at the bottom. After this, knowing that everything was already completed, in order to fulfill the scripture, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was nearby, so the soldier soaked his sponge in it, placed it on a hyssop branch, held it up to his lips. When he'd received the sour wine, Jesus said, it is completed. Bowing his head, he gave up his life. Image upon 
Why did this have to happen? Right, because that becomes a question. Jesus did not deserve anything that was done to him. He lived a sinless, perfect life. There's no reason why something like this, the punishment of a criminal, the shame of a criminal, have nothing to do with the life of Christ. So there has to be a reason why this happened. I love that line in there, when I see the cross, I see freedom. Because something happened on that day when Jesus died. See, because the Bible reveals that we are all bent and broken by sin. It happened all the way back in the Garden of Eden, back with uh, Adam and Eve. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this, and I love this. It says, He endured the cross, ignoring its shame, for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him, and sat down at the right side of God's throne joy. How, how can this be joy? I think the author of Hebrews was referring to joy in a couple of different ways. Number one was uh, he, Jesus lived an obedient life to his father, did everything that his father had asked him to do, and so there was a joy awaiting him for sure as he sat down at the right hand of his father. I think the flip side of this, though, is the joy set before him, I believe, is us as well. In all of our brokenness, in all of our sin, all of our own shame, because we are the ones that deserve this. Right? There's a righteousness that we break all of the time. There's an expectation we break all of the time. But Jesus took our place. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. It says, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All. Everybody say all. <laughs> all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of our good works that's not what gets us to heaven. We've all fallen short. There's something within us that's broken. And because that brokenness, we follow after sin and disobedience. That's our natural bent. That's what we do. And the Bible says that the wages that sin pays are death. That's the expectation that we have of the sin in our life is death. The Bible says this in Romans 5. However, while we were still weak, some versions say, 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It was a punishment that we deserve that we no longer have to take because of this. Because the cross sets us free from that and puts us on a completely different path in our life. A path of righteousness and wholeness and the spirit of God living within us. In Romans 6.23, it says this, but God's gift is, so the wages of death, but God's gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our That's the exchange that happens because this happened. This exchange can happen in our lives and we can be set free. The cross represents the death of death. No longer does death hold sway over us. But pastor, people die. Yes, they do. I've had loved ones die and pastor. There's that death that is for all of us, right? But there is a further death that because of the cross, we no longer have to face. Jesus on the cross destroyed the power of sin over us, sets us free to truly live for the first time. It's like death was arrested on the cross. It's like an arrest took place and no longer does death have power over us. No longer does fear reign in our lives because we think this life is it. There is so much more to life than this life. Amen, right? We have a hope beyond the grave because of Jesus. Now, here's, here's the hard part about this. I would love to just kind of stay focused on the heaviness of the cross because there is a heaviness associated with our sin and dealing with that. But we have a hope in Christ. Next week when you come and you invite your friends, you're going to find out a whole lot more about it. But we can never just leave this cross right here because we have a hope beyond the grave because this cross is empty and the tomb that Jesus was put in is empty <laughs> to this day. Because our God is alive and never forget that death was arrested. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains My orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance when death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your Chains, I'm a prisoner no more. My shame was a ransom. It's all before.
displayed on a criminal's cross And darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost But then Jesus arose we are freedom in the air That's when death was arrested and my life you're here today and you say, Pastor, um, well, that's good for some people, but I just, I've never experienced that. I've never experienced that freedom from that brokenness and that heartache. I've never experienced that freedom from sin that keeps me separated from God. And I feel separated and I, I know I'm separated. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been here a hundred times. But you'd say, I've, I've never, never truly asked Jesus into my life. I've never truly asked to follow after him with all my heart, my, my soul, my mind, my strength. So you are beginning this journey, and you might not know what lies ahead of you, but here's what I can tell you from my own life, that when you give your life to Jesus, even though we don't always know what to do and how to do it, Jesus is always there, remember? So Mary and Martha are like, Jesus, if you would only, but I know God, I know if, if, if you just pray, if you just ask, I know that God will hear you. This is because God sees us and knows us and loves us and wants all of you to be his. Man, thank you so much for so many to come down. Here's what I want to do is I want to pray and, and I'm going to help you with this prayer. Very, very simple prayer of dedication uh, to Jesus. You might not know what to pray at this point, so I'm going to help you with that. And I'm going to, kind of in solidarity with everybody in this room today, can all of you, everybody still seated, seated where you are, can you all pray with me just a very, very simple prayer of dedication to Jesus? So just repeat this after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. You have set me free from my sin. And Jesus, I ask that you would help me 
follow you all the days of my life. Lord, I may not understand it all, but I will trust in you beginning today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.